Hello, welcome to the Commune Podcast. Uh, my name is Oak, and I'll be uh, hosting today. Today we'll be discussing A Long Live the Queen, a skill management visual novel. Uh, first of all, let's get introductions out of the way. WarioFan63, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing fine. Good, and uh, what have you been playing lately? I've been playing Tearaway. Tearaway? Tearaway. What is that? It's it's a it's a video game for that ancient system, the PlayStation Vita. That um, has games. I'm afraid so. Yes, little known <laughs> fact about the Vita, but it's it's like a it's it's a game where you play as a character and then you do things in it. Oh, <laughs> I'm very unique. <laughs> well, it's you know it, before I saw people saying, "Wow, this is like." A new Mario 64, but it's it's not like Mario 64. It's it's not really like a Mario game at all. So it's it's like you, you get to you get through levels, and and the levels themselves are a little open, but for the most part they're linear. You're still trying to go from point A to point B, mm-hmm. and uh, there's there's things to collect, but it's it's not like Power Star level of a uh, you know checklist. You're just collecting things. So it's not like a collectathon like uh, like Banjo Kazooie and such. Yeah, I mean it's it's got collection aspects, but not to that degree. Hmm. This game made by the same people who did Little Big Planet, right? Yes, that's right. Because it yeah, it has a very similar like paper craft aesthetic it's got going on. Yeah, it's it's a cute little game, you know. It's 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 fun, but the Mario comparisons I saw were way off. So. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. All right, it's okay. So, uh, Adrian, how are you doing? Oh, I'm a little better. Uh, I got an 88 on my last Calc 2 test, so that was good. Yeah, way no curve. Go. No curve at all, so that, that is a, a high B for me for Calc 2, which nice. finally all that time studying has been paying off. Yep. Congratulations on that. So what have you been playing lately? Shortly after Super Mario Land 2, I started playing Ninja Gaiden. Uh, it's been a year since I last played that game, cool. and uh, I did actually get up to the second part of the final boss. I know that boss has three stages, but uh, yeah, I lost, and unfortunately, uh, that stupid rule of if you die once, even if you have all three lives, you go back to 6-1, so, so that sucked. And yeah, playing it again actually kind of reminds me why I kind of don't think that game is all that good. It's, yeah. it's it's definitely towards the like the first one, two, three levels, they're fine, but as you the further you go in, the more they start doing those same kind of annoying tricks that they use with respawning enemies or enemies appearing over jumps or just playing weird stuff like the jump at the end of three dash two. Knockback. Yeah, and one of the biggest problems I actually have with that game is it, it's, it actually is the hit detection. Basically, that sword, that attack Ryu does, has way fewer active frames than you think it would have. Because I have parts where I'm slowing, slowing it down to where Ryu is literally like stabbing one of those Tyson-looking dudes right in the face but he's not hitting him, and then he gets hit by, like, the next two frames. So the hit detection in that game isn't good. It has issues like that because the active frames don't match the animation of the sword itself. And I found, actually, because it's a hitbox thing, it permeates the entire experience. So you'll have a lot of moments where it's like, what, I hit that guy. And it's like, yes, it really does look like you hit that guy, but um, because you can't see hitboxes and how they actually work, it turns out that actually your hitbox went away by the time you know, you ran into him, so, yeah, that sucks. So I have to ask, though, if you don't, uh, not as much of a fan of this game, why are you playing it only a year after, uh, a year later since your last replay? You seem to be playing it pretty often for all the flaws you say it has. I actually haven't. This is only the fourth time I've played it ever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, partly it's because I, I just want to finish it. Okay. Even if- because it's the same thing with Pop Mail. Like, way before the end of that game, I just couldn't get into it. But even then, I just still want to be able to say that, okay, I beat the game, I know everything that's in there, and I'll be able to comment on everything. Okay, cool. So, Zanrio Sauce, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Yes. That's nice. So, what have you been playing lately? 
I'll start off Undertale. Mm -hmm. That's a good game. I've been playing that yes. as well. It's really great. <laughs> are you doing the neutral run first, or are you going for pacifist? Yeah, just a neutral on mm -hmm. that. Go through the game and see what I want to do. <laughs> Pretty much. Mm -hmm. cool. And Fox, how are you doing today? Uh, I've been better. You've been better? Oh, that doesn't sound good, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, you, I guess you've always been better if you've had a really, really good day, but, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> let's hope the day gets better anyway. So, uh, how, what have you been playing lately? Uh, I'm in a weird transition period after, you, after I beat a game, I'm trying to figure out what the next one is. So, I mean, I, I, I beat an Undertale, and I'm just playing Lung of the Queen in the meantime before I pick up something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a game you can play. Yeah? Is it Ninja Gaiden? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the meetup today, which is, uh, today we're talking about Long Live the Queen, which is a visual novel, which does have some gameplay, unlike some other ones, which is minimal. But let's first, uh, the first thing that's going to talk to is what are the main gameplay elements of this game? Fox, uh, can you, uh, talk about this? Main gameplay elements, from what I can tell, are, uh, schedule planning, mood management, and choice making. Okay. Yeah, does anyone, like I said, anything else uh, comes to mind to anyone that would add to that? Or, uh, like I said, that's uh, about it. But like I said, it's mostly it's what's called a skill management game is the main type. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I would agree with Fox. Yep. Okay, so, uh, like I said, this game tends to have certain rules. Uh, I mean, how simple or complex are the, like, the mechanics of this game, would you say? Like, how complex are the uh, the mechanics of the game? Is, is there a lot to pick up, or is it easy to pick up right at the start? Uh, Wario Pan? I think it takes a bit of getting used to, because when you start off, you don't really know what's coming. You don't know what you're going to be tested on, so you don't know what's going to be uh, important to you. So you're just trying to figure out, hey, maybe uh, since she's uh, feeling afraid, maybe we'll learn how to play with dogs or something. And, mm -hmm. and maybe that'll benefit you really soon. Or, or maybe you slacked off not studying uh, history, so now you're kind of going to get married to somebody you didn't want to get married to. Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, I, I think it does take a while because you don't know what's going to come up, so you don't know what what to plan for. Yeah, well, I'm talking about also like uh, in terms of like the do you think you're do you feel uh, overwhelmed with like the sheer number of options possibly? Like there are a lot of skills and a lot of moods, and the way they interrelate are kind of. Uh, does it take long to pick up on that, or is it something that you're easy to pick up on, or does it take a while to learn how those work? Like as far as learning, as it learning stuff on its own that's i think that's pretty pretty easy pretty fun because you you do go get those little scenarios so every so often that keeps it interesting mm -hmm. zanrio do you have any thoughts on the, on this on uh, the complexity or simplicity of the game yeah you kind of have to play through it several times to know what you have to do and to know what skills you should focus mm -hmm. on to avoid certain events or be able to do certain checks. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of trial and error kind of gameplay. Mm -hmm. yeah. I yeah. want to. Sorry, we're we gonna say something, Adrian. Oh no, I was just kind of agreeing with Sammy about the trial and error part. Yeah. That was it. I was gonna yeah. say this is this is a real for me. It's a heavy note taking kind of game, where oh, yeah. it's, it's it's not hard to remember to remember what moods raise certain stats, but it, it's definitely much easier to just write it down than memorize you know, how mm -hmm. 20 different stats get correlated with how you're feeling that day. Yeah, and we'll get into the trial and error aspect more once we talk about the difficulty of the game, which, as you can <laughs> tell, already seems to be a uh, kind of a sticking point here. So yeah. are, there any, uh, are there any certain moods or skills that stand out as more useful than others? Um, Adrian, what do you think? Uh, well, I, was, I just wanted to first chime in about the earlier question that was um 
the game itself naturally it's not it's not a hard game to start off with because you're pretty much it's, it's pretty simple it's just like what class do you want to pick and what do you want to do after you're done taking classes and then they give you a choice and you know you pick like that part is simple enough where the complexity comes from is really managing your mood because at some point you're going to catch on the fact that your mood does give you certain bonuses and you'll probably also catch on that the story is pretty fixed and if you know where the tests are you can know which mood to manipulate and which things you want to learn for mm-hmm. in order to get that but um the thing is that because there's four moods the bonuses can actually like add or subtract from that mood or, I'm sorry subtract from those bonuses and the thing is you also need to manage it with the weekend events that you can pick because the thing is like no single weekend event well except for a few only increase one stat so that's where you're trying to manipulate the events so that you can move the mood without affecting too much of the other mood so that you're not penalized because you actually are penalized in certain classes for having the wrong mood even if you actually had the right mood beforehand yeah and that is something where i agree with fox in that you could get it through sheer repetition but you're going to save yourself a lot of time if you just start taking notes on which ones give the boost because while it is open about the numbers and how those work so for example it's two points every day if it's just a zero bonus so plus one okay it's three for five days 15 that that part's simple but even when it tells you like you have a bonus for being cheerful it won't tell you if you're actually getting another bonus for being willful or what having a penalty for being too depressed or anything like that. And uh, that's no, that's not actually how it works. It's uh, it's uh, you only get the bonuses or penalties from whichever mood is she has the most points in, and that's the furthest left if they're equal. But no, if she's cheerful, she's not going to get the penalties from depressed. Where you'll see additional bonuses is that the only real thing I don't see any additional penalties, but you will see additional bonuses if you've already learned a skill. The more you already have a skill learned, that itself gives a slight bonus to the point that if you already have like a 70 in a skill, you'll learn that skill. It'll be such a bonus that even if you're in a mood that would give a penalty to it, it still may be a positive bonus. See, I didn't know that, and that's because because I'm I'm still just trying to figure out how that how that actually complete entirely works. Yeah, the moods, I do think the moods is the most complex feature of it, and it's uh, not so much the knowing, like I said, it's more trial and error of figuring out what skills to choose, but the real difficulty is managing, is figuring out how to manage the moods and which moods to, uh, like I said, how to get to the mood you want, especially quick enough to give a bonus to the skill you want to learn. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of, uh, in case you haven't noticed, there are certain skills that when she learns enough in a certain skills, that adds weekend activities. Like, if you learn enough in animal handling, you add hunting. If you learn enough in athletics, you'll add sports. And if you learn enough in dance, you'll add ballroom dancing as a potential weekend activity. Right. Moria fan, are there any moods or skills that stand out as more useful than others to you? Well, I guess, actually, the, the ones that are more about really heavy stuff, like appearance and knowledge and stuff like that, seem like there there's more of an emphasis on making sure you you know you making sure that you you know about stuff compared so to like the history and lore and yes yes and yeah it it seems like history and lore and stuff gets a lot of focus compared to say dog handling yeah although the physical skill i do think the physical skills are the ones more likely they're the ones more likely for you to die if you don't know them Whereas the mental skills are more likely to open up options that you wouldn't have otherwise. But, um, Zanrio... So, I have a choice between not dying or continuing the story until I inevitably die. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's kind of a mix. You you can't really focus all on one level or the other. But, uh, But, I mean, I do agree with you. The history ones are really useful for knowing certain things and for giving options that can lead to you not dying. And, and if I can add here, um... (laughs) <laughs> the the history stuff is actually kind of fun from a player's perspective too because you're actually learning about the world along with uh, Elodie. Yeah, it, I I like that too. I love the uh, the flavor text with that because and that actually really helps it, it feel that you essentially you only know what Elodie knows. So it does it does kind of have that connection between the player and the character that you're learning along with her. I agree. Yes. 
really interesting to learn about the, the stuff through the history classes and to learn more about the game world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of with them too. History, foreign affairs, those kept coming up a lot. Things like court manners and composure, they come up more often than things like running or swimming. Okay, so, um, Fox, you've been swimming a while. Uh, what what uh, skills do you think are more useful? Are any moods or skills you think are more useful than others or less useful? For me, I was always trying to hammer in the presence and the strategy ones because, I mean, after going through a few times, I kind of knew the path I wanted to take, and those were the, and those were the ones that were most important for my route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, seemed, it seemed like a presence in particular was used for an awful lot of situations. Yeah. I find royal demeanor, do, they do put a big stress on royal demeanor, especially because royal demeanor is the are the hardest skills to learn. Because yeah. royal, demeanor's, royal demeanor skills are the ones that over half of her moods give a penalty on it, and there's only one mood that gives a bonus on it. So okay. it's the hardest. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was getting mixed up earlier, because initially I thought it was cheerful, that meter, but um, it turns out that, because I'm looking back at my own video, it's actually yielding that... um. Yeah. It helps her with that. Yeah. And then, and then even trying to raise your yielding causes... It, it, and initially, I don't know if there's any weekend activity that just raises or lowers yielding, but, but there's one that lowers it. But for risk raising yielding, it always affects other moods as well. Yeah. The point to do yielding is to... Uh, if you have a retain quarrel, because that gives plus two yielding, while it only gives plus one to the others. So right. if, you, if, you, if, you can just keep, if you keep her attending court, that's the easiest way to keep her in yielding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of a little out there, but um, one of the things that may not be super intuitive is that um, sometimes you actually kind of want her to be depressed if the skill you want is benefits from it. And naturally, when you're first starting out the game, you kind of like, okay, she's depressed, she's lonely, you kind of don't want those because those are like negative emotions. But the more you play this game, the more you start to like... I, I, don't, I guess start to care less about what her emotions are if it gets her to take class better. Yeah, well, I, I kind of disagree with uh, – I agree with that on, like, afraid. I think afraid is very important. Depressed, uh, the reason – and then the main reason she starts with depressed, other than the obvious story reason, is yeah. that – Depressed is more widely seen as the least useful mood in the game because the two uh, skills it gives bonuses to, expression and animal handling, aren't considered as useful as a lot of the other skill categories, whereas it gives penalties to some of the most important skill categories. Yeah, I didn't actually know that, so thanks for the, <laughs> the tip. Oh. <laughs> I was kind of just I was just throwing a random mood out there because. Uh... Yeah. Well, I mean, even that expression and animal handling. I mean, just from playing through it, you don't see too much that that really gives too much bonus to compared to some of the others. And then finally, uh, Zanry, you talked a little bit about uh, agreeing on the history uh, importance, but are there any other moods or skills that you think stand out as particularly useful? I don't know. I don't know. And more useful compared to what some does might be, but I, but I like focusing on the intrigue skills. Oh yeah, I love intrigue. That's so, what I'm trying to go all sneaky and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're actually playing, what motivates your choices in how you play the game? Especially uh, the difference between like your first playthrough and then uh, obviously later your later your I guess your manipulating basis. But uh, well, let's say when you first play the game, what motivated your choices in how you play and what skills you chose, Fox? When I first started, uh, I was trying to get into the role of princess and, and you know queen to be. So I was trying to figure out what things would be important for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really my main motivation. There wasn't really anything that changed that until I started hitting dead ends. And I started writing down uh, lists of, of potential hazards, so building those up in, in tandem to my original thinking. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, Zanria, what motivated your choices when you were first playing the game and how you play the game? I tried to think what, what would be important and what I thought would help me the most. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Wario fan? I wasn't really sure what to do, so I just rolled along with the story, and whatever she was getting bonuses in, I would just pick that and see if that would help me out down the line. Okay, so you were you were mostly based off what her current moods were, but were you doing? Then what were what motivated your choices for how to affect her mood then for weekend activities? That was tough because, uh, like Adrian was saying earlier, at, at some level you don't want to feel these negative emotions. So I thought, oh, maybe I'm helping her if I uh, 
make her less depressed or less angry or less annoyed or something. Mm-hmm. So that that was I, I I like to go to church on the weekend sometimes just to you know relax a bit you know I noticed it sometimes made her less cheerful I thought that was pretty sad. <laughs> that, that's an interesting thing, and a lot of people don't realize the church. The point of the church, unlike theirs, church has a different effect each time because church's thing is it's a balancer. Church essentially gives her it puts gives her minus one to whatever her current most extreme emotion is. Yeah, I did. I, I did pick up on that. How it was supposed to be more of a neutralizer. Yeah, and then um, Adrian, what motivated your choices? Yeah, similar to Wario fan, I wanted to keep her in a good mood because the story starts off with her having to go through something fairly tragic. So, you know, keeping her from being depressed, afraid, lonely, that was what motivated me to manage her mood. And obviously because there's no way to do one thing positively without negatively affecting something else, that was also what made me um, try to manage, like, how can I get the most of one thing without making too much of another, like, there's almost no way to be more cheerful without becoming a little bit more lonely. So I would try to, like, rise enough of one without decreasing too much of, an, of another. But uh, for classes, the way I went about that was say, kind of the same thing where I wanted a dog because I think, oh, if I get her a dog, that would increase her mood, right? And the other half is, you know, part of being a functioning queen. If the bonus was there, so if there was a bonus for military, it's like, all right, give her some military. If there was a bonus for being elegant, I would give it. I would give that to her. Of course, this was well before I knew that you could manipulate. Because at first, I didn't know that the mood actually gave the bonus. I thought I couldn't tell if the bonus was random or something that was something you could manipulate. So that's how I kind of went about it at first. A little bit more kind of role playy, of just here's what I think would be good for this character based on their setting. Like that's how I went about it. But with subsequent playthroughs because of the tests and because the story's fixed and because you know what's going to come ahead and you know which stats you're going to need to build up so that you don't fail those tests, especially the ones that threaten your life. That's also what affected my decisions in later runs. And sometimes for a bit more petty, for example, I raised a lot of my sword just so I could kill that one guy, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that, yeah, so that was really petty. Uh, I eventually died later to chocolate. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, there was no choice for that, because to me, that that's just like so obvious. Like, oh my God, someone gives you chocolate, you're a queen, you're a noble, and you don't have a taste tester. Death flag right there, death flag. But you know, you do forget that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that is one of the most common first deaths for a player too. And, yeah, and and yeah, and eventually, after a while, I, I started kind of just being more random. It's like, you know what, I just want to see where this branch goes because, you know, I didn't want to stay too much on one path. In some ways, I wanted to just be like, you know what, where does this part of the story go? Or what happens if I try to pass this test over here? Or what if I said this to this other person? Like, what's, what, like, what if I said I executed that guy instead of challenging him to a duel? And <laughs> I, I tried all those things. Oh, and I did actually successfully ex execute him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does give you the option for executions a few times. So. I, I do want to jump in and say, uh, in particular, the chocolate, uh, the chocolate event made me, made me kind of wondering who exactly I was playing. Like, I'm trying to wonder who, what exactly force I'm controlling in this, because I know, I don't have, I don't have choice over exactly what she does. I feel like I'm more of a, more like playing, playing the force of her motivation. I'm not controlling her, but I'm controlling or what she's interested kind in. Of, kind of. Well, like I said, it's, it's about what she knows, and she didn't know enough to uh, pick up on, hey, this is bad, when there are several skill things she could do. But yeah, right. that is a good point. Now, it, it is a little confusion because it feels like you're more like, it's like you're her tutor or something, you're choosing what she learns. Yeah. Because, but even then, sometimes you do get the choice, and then at some point you are her, and you are making her personal choices. Hmm. And and I actually, I, I understand. I, I think it, it makes sense to have certain points where you can't make a choice because I mean she wouldn't know any better. It wouldn't make sense for her to to not do something. So she's got to have some. It's got to be some some knowledge that she has that you can't force her to have. Yeah, it's like the the the, the easiest one. The like the first. I think the first uh, thing that that brings out usually that is the necklace. When she brings up the necklace, if she doesn't have enough court manner, she automatically puts it on. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas, yeah. you get, whereas you get the choice to put it on or not if she has enough court manners to know what that would imply. Yeah, same thing with um, her emotions. So when she goes to the ball and she doesn't have enough composure or elegance, uh, she kind of loses her nerves and she feels afraid and then depressed. Yeah. Or that one lady that uh, is courting your dad, uh, she loses her composure and then has to do something mean. Yeah. My favorite one was probably flatter her in a mean way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish flattery got enough. I, I wish there were more events that relied on flattery than there are. may have been implied from a lot of the talks about deaths and trial and error here, Long Live the Queen is considered a pretty difficult game, and it's actually notorious for it among, the visual, among visual novels. What exactly makes this game so difficult? Warrior fan? I'd say it's the memorization, really. I am not like Fox. I have not been taking notes. So it's kind of hard for me to remember, oh, did I need to be good at dancing by now? Did I need to be good at poison by now? Oh, wait, I spent all this time learning about uh, the lore. I forgot to learn about history, and now, ah, jeez, I'm dead because the history killed me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thankfully, we aren't in a world where failing a history test means instant death. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Zanrio, what what exactly do you find uh, makes this game so hard? Or do you find it hard? Yeah, definitely. Well, the first playthroughs is also not knowing what you should do, not knowing what things it's good to train and mm-hmm. and what will help you the most. Yeah. And even then, there's just so limited time to learn all of them. Like you can like two chances to boost two different things or the same thing twice each day. So there's you kind of have to think about okay, which specific things to focus on and. Yeah, so I'll say also that the limit of how much you can train the skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does definitely limit. That limitation is definitely part of the uh, difficulty. Uh, Fox, your thoughts on the uh, difficulty of the game? If it's difficult or or what makes it hard? What makes it hard, yeah. Unforeseeable roadblocks. To me, it's it's, uh, roadblocks that are unforeseeable or are so soon that I can't prepare for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, Yakoma? Or yeah. yeah, he he is right because um, naturally the first time you know events are going to happen, you don't know what those events are, and those events are going to demand certain tests, and that requires you to take certain classes beforehand. So that's naturally where a lot of difficulty is going to come from. But um, the other thing is just like even now, uh, my knowledge is still incomplete, incomplete for which moods boost which classes. Because you kind of need to, like, bust out a chart for this thing to say, okay, by week 17, I need this amount of this stat. By week whatever, I need this amount of this stat. And in order to get that amount of that stat, I need to have boob this so I have a bonus so I can actually build it up fast enough. It's like that's the level of planning you need to have, which kind of requires you to know a lot about the game. But, of course, in order to know about the game, you have to, you know, play it and then just start writing things down and play it many different ways, too. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of combination of trial and error, and of course, like I said, planning is integral. Well, either either planning by note taking or by using a wiki. <laughs> and of course, there is a wiki for the game as well, which some use. Okay, so now we we've established it's difficult. But Zanrio, do you think the difficulty is fair or unfair of this game? It's fair if you like hard games. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> okay, so you're saying it's fair. It's only fair if you enjoy that kind of thing. Yeah. I actually don't typically like the hard for the sake of hard kind of games. I like the games that are made specifically to be hard, but I like this one, so even if I die a lot, so yeah. <laughs> okay. Adrian, uh, do you think it's a fair or unfair difficulty? That's kind of weird because in a way it's like even if you say it is, I don't, I don't know, because the fact of the matter is that you are probably going to die. And you are going to die from things that you don't know about. And it's like no amount of skill. 
like you, you have to get lucky to get through this whole game and not die because there's just that many things and that many interlocking things and it is actually kind of fairly strict given the fact that how easy it is to die on multiple playthroughs so it probably doesn't expect you to go through the first playthrough and survive the whole time it probably expects you to yeah. die once but would you say it's still fair or would you consider the game unfair for like how it how it's set up yeah well the the point i was trying to make with that is that on the first playthrough or hell even on several playthroughs it's like you're limited by knowledge which means that a lot of times you're going to be forced to die anyways in order to have the right amount of knowledge to make your way through this game. And it's really up to you if you decide that's fair or not. It's like, okay, is it fair that the game kind of makes me, you know, go through the same thing over and over just so I can have the right amount of information, just so I can make these decisions like way beforehand in order to, you know, not get screwed over by the end of it all. And to me, I think it probably work work in this game's favor if it, wasn't so strict about it or if it had another way of letting you know beforehand so that it feels more like you're actually planning and managing things because there there were points in this game where it's like she's talking about like managing budgets like you know if this game was a little bit different it, it could be like a my life as king game from like final fantasy or like a civ game where you're trying to you know manage your reception with the nobles and then the commoners and then managing your money and dealing with foreign affairs like to me that all sounds like really cool it's like you can devise there are already systems where you're in a king position and you manage all these things and they're in ways where it's fair and it feels like a strategy game um but here where it's a bit more set in stone and of course a lot of them aren't things you can see beforehand it's like i'm not sure how much that works to the game's favor because if you're not taking notes there's going to be a lot of repetition and by extension frustration if you're not if you're not memorizing it and if you're not quick saving like a motherfucker (laughs) <laughs> okay, um, Fox, uh, do you think it's a fair or unfair difficulty? I, I think I agree with almost everything Adrian said. It, it really depends on how you define fair, uh, fairness. I, I think the goal, I think Hanako thinks it's fair in that they want you to see the way she's going to die. I think absolutely it is not fair. The way I see it is, is I'm trying to like picture the way it has difficulty being used in other games. So like to me, it's like playing Super Mario, where Mario is like an inch away from the right side of the screen, and you're just you're, you're moving without being able to see things. Mm-hmm. Or when you do, like you you see like you see a Goomba walking by, but you haven't trained your jump high enough to to be able to hop over him. You make a good point, though, about Hanako, about the uh, the game developers probably thinking it's fair and that they want to uh, include deaths, because there is the point that, considering that uh, among the achievement, a lot of it, other than once you survive the game, there's the achievements, among the achievements are, there's the whole checklist of have you found every single way to die, every possible way to die. Right. So there's that as well. And that can be, sometimes, uh, finding all the possible way to die can be just as frustrating and just as, take just as much planning as finding all the sort of ways to survive. To survive. Mm-hmm. And, um, hey, finally, uh, Warrior Fan, uh, do you have anything more to add regarding uh, fairness of difficulty in Long of the Queen? No, I think everything has kind of been said already. It's difficult, and it's because it's all dependent on, on how well you study and when you study and all that jazz. Yep. Okay, well, um, I'll let you study jazz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think jazz was around during those times. Uh, well, we can invent it. <laughs> She's a new topic, freeform jazz. Who jazz you have magical girls? Uh, yeah, she already has magic. She doesn't need to learn jazz. So, but, uh, okay, I'll let you feel this one uh, first, then, and worry about it. Even when you are dying a lot and you're doing all this difficulty, is the game still fun? Or, in, in, or does the difficulty still add to the fun? Well, I think it's kind of fun to see what the new deaths are. I, I don't know if there's multiple ways to earn one type of death yet. So in a sense, it can be fun to see how, how it can end. Okay, so um, Zanrio, do you, uh, do you think the game is still fun even when you're dying or even when it's, uh, so, when it's so difficult? Yeah, kind of. I do admit that sometimes I I don't want to have to repeat the same events over and over again, but it's fun to try out the different things and see what happens if I try in these skills instead instead of the others, trying to pass checks that I didn't pass the last time and such. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, Fox, uh, do you think the game is still fun even when it requires such planning and it's so difficult and you're dying a lot? Is it still fun? I think any fun I'm having is in spite of the deaths. I think uh, all the fun is, is seeing the ways in which my choices pan out to, you know, seeing, seeing how, how, how the course of my actions affect things. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Adrian? Yeah, similarly. I do like seeing being able to pass a test like when I killed that one guy. So knowing that all that time I put into sword and then athletics. So that's an example of when it was fun, even if it's just, even if I didn't win. Um, satisfaction of completing something that you die at a lot still gives you that. Yeah, so there is satisfaction from that. There's also satisfaction because, you know, up to a certain point, I stopped going on the same route trying to win the game and then just trying to see, you know, just, just what else is there because that's another one of the fun parts of these games is seeing where the story branches off. And that's when I started playing a bit more randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, though, now that I'm kind of seeing... I've seen enough of the branch and there aren't many other branches that I know of or that I feel like having to like chart out again. Cause now it's getting to the point where I've seen so much of the story already that now I have to go to that process of, all right, where have I been? Where have I haven't been? And, and where so- I need to put quick saves to put out the flow chart to see the last few bits of the story that I haven't yet. Yeah, and in some cases, some branches are only possible. Some branches are so hard to get through. Some branches you can only are even impossible to go through and survive if you're planning. If you're planning for that from the beginning, from the first week, you're managing your skills to prepare for that. Yeah, like I know I actually did that a few times with the the events that I can't remember before. Right, like even now I still can't remember because it's like 22 weeks of stuff. Like I know the old forest is the big one. The old forest is the big one. You planning that from the start. Oh, I didn't know anything about Mount so... Uh, Brioni keeps writing you about it. Brioni uh, writes you about oh. it. That's, that's the party you have the choice to go to or stay home. Oh, okay. I forgot it was called uh, the old forest. I thought we were talking about something else. It's the one where that monster's in, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, although, the, the thing is, like, over time, because now I'm up to that point where it's like, all right, if I, if I want to get through the game now, now I have to start writing everything down, planning it out. I'm now, after eight hours of, you know, dicking around, and now I'm starting to get to the point where my enthusiasm is kind of waning, and I'm starting to feel what, like, other people were feeling with, like, Starseed Pilgrim. It's like, you know, I had my fun. I don't even care about finishing the game anymore because it's, like, it's, like, trying to play that last bit isn't as fun as versus when I was just, you know, seeing new things and trying things out and doing my own self-set of goals rather than the one in the game. Okay, well, um, what motivates you to keep playing after you've died or after you've failed? Uh, you can take this first, Adrian. You're already kind of going off of that. I see. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes it's just for sweet revenge. Like the first yeah. time that that one uh, bastard killed me in a duel because my sword <laughs> skills weren't high enough, uh, yeah. I definitely made it uh, a personal goal to... I don't even care if I'm raising the wrong stats. I just want to see him die. Did you kill him by sword or did you train her in magic? Uh, I killed him my sword. I see there. That's another one that I still haven't figured out is how do I manage my mood right so that I can get a high enough either accounting or composure stat. Which, by the way, there's a level cap. That's the other thing because you also need to be working on the other stats so you can get them all past 25 so you can get the the thing past 50 so that you can get high enough. I think it's around 70 either composure or accounting, that you can just walk right past the guard, get your crystal because they won't get in your way, and then become a magical girl. Because, like, the earliest event for, like, sense magic is, like... Did I even write it down? No, I don't think I write it down. I have to go back. If you fail that event, you can always just tell your mentor that you failed, and then you can still end up with the crystal. It just it may affect your reputation because I think if that the case, if you tell if you failed to do it yourself and you tell her, I think she essentially blows up the vault or something and gets the crystal for you. Yeah, but, I've, I've actually done that before uh, twice with two the two different mentors you can get. Uh, what's her face? Juliana yeah. and Serene? Is that her Celine. name? Yeah, Celine. Celine. There's another okay. mentor. There's a whole lumen. If you're able to get into it and you get the magic stuff, if you, if you choose the right things, there's a whole big lumen branch. You can look at with stories regarding the whole lumen thing. But yeah, there's a lot of untapped story, but the, the, the issue is that it's so difficult and so branching that unless you're using a wiki or something, unless you're really planning it out, it's hard to find it all. And that's to a lot of people, that's the fun in it is finding all those little twists and turns and finding all that little 
unmarked territory of story. But uh, okay, but speaking of that, uh, Warrior Fan, what motivates you to keep playing after failure? Well, to be honest, sometimes it's hard mm-hmm. to keep playing after failure because you, you, you're, you're realizing that you're going back to square one, and then uh, if you didn't do a good job remembering how you got there, you could end up somewhere else and then die, and then you're like, oh, geez, back to square one again. Mm-hmm. Well, you, unless you use a quick, unless you uh, you don't go, you don't just go back to a former save point. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you not save while playing this? No. There, there are auto saves, you know. I just do it anyway. I thought the game was the thing, and then you just keep playing. Well, that ex- so, so you've created a complete you. you so you created a, a hardcore difficulty. You're playing. Oh difficulty version of the game where you're not using save points at all. I just... Oh, God. That would change so many things. Yeah. You just save in this game? I I just... I go. I, I go my way, and I think that's it. That's my choice. <laughs> yeah, there is a save option. Okay, um, Zanrio, what motivates you to keep playing after failure? Trying different things and wanting to win this game? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just trying different things to find out what I did wrong and what I have to do instead. Okay, that's good. So it's just a general, I want to see this through to the end kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, finally, uh, Fox, what, am I, what, am, what motivates you to keep playing after failure? Uh... Sadism and stubbornness. Wait, don't you mean masochism? I think you mean masochism. Shoot. Sadism. Yes. Sadism means you enjoy inflicting pain on others. Masochism well, means you enjoy... It, it, oh, it can well, still I apply if I want to see her die. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's sadism. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to see hold on at sadism, if you want to inflict, if you if you're doing it just for yourself to suffer, that's masochism. All right, this podcast is going in dark places. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, all right, well, uh, <laughs> uh, before I ask this next question, I have to know: Has anyone here actually survived yet? No. Yes. Oh. No. Nope. I heard one. Yes, that was Fox. Yep. Okay, uh, well, Austin Fox, do you, do you think that the uh, game becomes somewhat easier after it's after you survived at least once, or is it still about the same? I haven't played after surviving. I just stopped. I, I survived last night and haven't tried yet. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm not going to be as frustrated when I die because I've already beaten it. So right now I'm just kind of exploring. I'm going to be exploring. Mm-hmm. So in terms okay. of difficulty, I think, yeah, I don't think it's going to be as hard because I'm not going to be as worried about losing. Yeah, I I do think it changes the perception once you beat the game because then now now once you're like you once you've gotten that major goal out of the way now it's like now let's just see how much different things can happen and now you're now you're more in the experimental phase and where you're or now you're achievement hunting, right? Which could be difficult in its own way. Some of the achievements are even harder to plan for than just surviving because there's multiple ways to survive. But yeah, okay. Then finally, you know, let's go final question here. Um. Do any of you think the game could be made easier while still keeping its uh, current level of fun? And so, how co- could it be made easier? Uh, I think you said something about this before you, you were going to this direction before, Adrian. Oh yeah, it, it would almost have to be a, lean a little bit more towards like a strategy game. And the thing is, like, it's only becoming easier because the game will be giving you more information ahead of time that you can plan for. So if you already know about certain forward affairs that you can plan for, then you can do that. If you already know that um, there's going to be a ball like several weeks ahead because you have a calendar that's like marked out with things that you're going to be doing, you can plan out for that. So you think that the game should, from the start, give you a uh, little flag uh, explanation points of these are events to plan for, to give you yeah. more, essentially, almost like a wiki, essentially, essentially tell you what events are upcoming. See, the thing is, like... um. The game would be very different because, like, this is this is why I'm I'm having a hard time figuring out because in some ways it's becoming easier and because it's becoming more fair because you're getting more information that you can use that knowledge for to overcome, but it's also 
that uh, I was thinking that the other way that the game would become different is maybe if certain skills weren't as high as they needed to be or like like there, there's so many ways to go about it that I'm not actually sure but all I do know is that um the strategy game thing the only thing with that is that uh, to some I could feel that changing the game too much to the point that might take away from it that might essentially make it a, you're, as you said that would make it almost a different game altogether yeah because to me the thing uh, with this game is that like I, I really am drawing a blank for how you could I guess in some ways it's just like lower the numbers a little bit or maybe make it more clear like which moods boost which stats because right now that's something I'm still in the dark about and I'm still kind of writing down. Yeah, that's why I had to make a post on that because for me that that was the thing, the mood, the whole how moods work, that's something that I didn't understand until I read the wiki. I had, I literally had to read, I checked the wiki and had to read an article on the wiki explaining it before I understood. And I do think that's a big flaw in the game. Fox, do you think there's anything that the game could use to be made easier while still kind of keeping it the same kind of game without changing it too hard? Or is it kind of set as it is? I had an answer until you said... Keep it the same kind of game. Okay. Then, 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 then toss that other one. Then toss that second one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think a big part of what this game is is having those deaths. But for me, it's just like two steps away from being a role-playing game. So I'd make the fail states less punishing and then really just go on with that. Like In particular, there's one where you can be challenged by a commander. And, and one, of the, one of the end states for that is, is for you to leave your country and go start up somewhere new with your merry band of lumens. And I I wanted to see if that storyline would go anywhere, but that was just an ending. So you so essentially that would that would uh you would like it to like expand more into that would expand more into other branches rather than make right. it failures create so make it more of an expansive story and create more and more story branches rather than just oh this is just an you're just, this is just ends right here. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that'd be cool. Okay. Zanrio, uh do you think the there's any way the game could be made easier? Yeah, maybe adding more planning classes each day. Yeah, yeah, if you could do more than more than two a week, that would make it a lot easier. Yes. That would just be, that's a basic numerical change the same way that Adrian said, just, uh, yeah. what's well, the inverse of Adrian, where Adrian was saying, uh, make the requirements lesser. Mm. Yeah, that's what I mean by, um, it, yeah. it's a tuning thing, and when it's a tuning thing where you're just changing numbers, oh, obviously the game has a lot of numbers that you can change, and... Yeah, there's a lot of ways to go about that. That's why I don't really have a hard set answer. All I know is that the game, as is, it's very easy to die, which can mean a lot of repetition. And of course, the part about the moods, their bonuses, it's not actually open to you, so that information is withheld, which means you kind of kind of have to trial and error that too. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, Warrior fan, uh, do you think there's any way that the game could be made easier? Boat chart. Flow charts. <laughs> just, just straight up give you the flow chart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not like you know, you get every flow chart available with it, but it creates itself as you go along. You know, sort of, sort of like uh, Adrian's calendar idea, I think. Or like in Virtue's Last Reward, or where, where when you die, it shows you the branching timelines, kind of. Right. Yeah, that would be just. So great that way I I would know if if what I was doing was putting me on on this path or that path or mm-hmm. you know it's it's just a little overwhelming to to not know so much and I probably am gonna have to use the uh, uh, a guide or or something pretty soon yeah. here because I just yeah so essentially what it boils down to is other than the fine tuning answers is that what it boils down to is that for the bag the main way to create easy would essentially to be almost put a essentially give more information to the player and essentially do a lot of stuff that the wiki already does but otherwise that you have to check the wiki for right now yeah that way maybe we wouldn't have needed a wiki in the first place if it had something like that and the funny thing is some people actually make the game harder because there's an option to, like, you know how it gives you the little notifications of which checks you're failing? Yeah. You, you can I turn that And some people turn that off so they don't know why they're not getting off. They don't know oh, which are passing. Why would you do that? Oh, good lord. Well, those are masochists. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, like I said, a lot of people do, there are a lot of 
people who play this who relish in the difficulty. I've heard it, like I said, I've heard at least some people outright call this the Dark Souls of visual novels, which I don't entirely agree with that comparison. But... But in the same way that it, it's just it's it's very under it's very trial and error unforgiving, so I think we've uh, pretty much uh, beaten the bush and uh, talked about everything we can regarding the gameplay and difficulty of this game. We'll probably talk more about the actual story elements and visual novels at another time. So for now, uh, uh, closing thoughts, how likely is it that uh, you personally would ever actually die from a box of chocolates? Uh, Fox? I don't like chocolate. (laughs) So my sweetheart would probably die. Aww. (laughs) Oh, Zanrio? Well, if it didn't seem suspicious in any way, then uh, probably. (laughs) I love candy. You just eat, yeah. Uh, Wario fam? Oh yeah, it, I I could see it. Like not even from poison, just from you know engorging myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and finally, Adrian, how likely is it that you would die from a box of chocolates? Uh, pretty much one hundred percent. But that's because all junk food slowly kills you over time. Oh yeah, we don't need to think about that. <laughs> The uh, same way. Well, uh, thank you for participating, everyone. Thank you for having us. Yep, thank you. And uh, thank you for anyone listening. This has been the Commune Podcast. Uh, Have a good day. Music in this podcast was from Long Live the Queen. If you have any comments or questions, please email vgcommune at gmail.com. Sorry about that. That's alright. It's just editing Golem has to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, give him more work. It's not that hard, really. Yes. Turn on the dog filtering filter on Audacity and get to go. <laughs> Looks like you have to do some dog handling classes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh oh. Somebody failed their dog check. <laughs>